Welcome back to the podcast for 2024. Thank you for staying with us through the end of 2023. And we are really excited to get back into all the fabulous content this year. And we are kicking off with a banger of an episode. We're kicking off another installment of our Out Athlete series. This time I'm talking to Madeline Fitzroy, who is an out trans woman in Tempin Bowling. Now, if you re- remember my episode with Jamie Carroll, uh, that was the first in the Out episode um, series, I actually called out Madeline and said, hey, Madeline, we would love to have you on the podcast. We'd love to chat to you a little bit more about your experiences as being an openly out trans athlete. And she is making great strides in the sport. I hope you are gonna love this episode as much as I love sitting down with Madeline. I'm your host, Dion Alexander, and you're listening to Our Pride by Mr. Gay Pride Australia. Welcome back, first podcast of the year. I have a very special guest today. I have a trans temping bowling athlete, Madeline Fitzroy. Madeline Fitzroy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Not a problem at all. Now, I did put a shout out on the podcast when I was doing a, um, a the podcast with Jamie Carroll. Um, so if you haven't checked out that episode, shameless plug right here. I'm all about a shameless plug. Uh, then go check that one out. But um, you've answered the call and now you're here. Well, it's very good. I really enjoyed that one. So I thought, yeah, well, you did put out the call. So here I am on the couch. You have. You am on the couch indeed. <laughs> uh, a three-hour drive from Canberra this morning. So very committed. So I thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, and I'm really interested. And um, yeah, I just want to have a chat to you today and uh, help you tell your story uh, and just um, you know, put a bit more information out there, um, which would be great. So I think maybe get started for those that don't know you um, and a little bit of your background. If you just wanna you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, how you like to be uh, identified as um, and how you got into 10-pin bowling as well, I think it'd be great. Okay, well, start at the beginning. I've been 10-pin bowling since I was probably 14 when old Woden 10-pin bowl first opened. Mum um, and dad were keen 10-pin bowlers, so um, I got into it then and then did a lot of bowling as a Junior, uh, we went to a lot of intercenters, come up to Sydney with a group of group of guys, um, or group of kids. Um, and then I think in 86, I went to my first nationals, not in the, not in the President's Shield team, that was, um, but I was at Rushcutters Bay. Yep. Um, just a first experience, I did it right there. Um, and then in 87 and 88, um, we went to, uh, I made the President's Shield team. Yep. Um, and we bought, I think, in Rockhampton in 87, and then in Melbourne, we bowled, uh, that was President Shield in Melbourne, the boys team, obviously the boys team back then. Um, yeah, that was down in Melbourne, and then um, bowled a few more years then, but you know, all of a sudden you're 18, 19, you've got to yep. start paying for bowling yourself. <laughs> Bowling's an expensive sport. So I was in and out of it for a while, I think in 92, I came, well, 92 or 94, I sort of came back for another 12 months and did okay. I made the Rockway team then, but had to pull out mostly for financial reasons. Yep. Um, and then I took a long time off. I was, yeah, just took a long time off. I think I didn't come back until um, 2014, maybe. But then my children, well, I had actually had children. I've got three kids, um, a boy and two girls. Um, 
so then, yeah, so I came back in 2014. I made the Rockway team then. Yep. Um, but again, I sort of, I don't know, I was going through a lot, I yep. suppose, at those that time. There was the divorce and that sort of stuff and other bits and pieces. So, yeah, I didn't, I got out of it. Yep. Uh, but now I'm back and I'm really enjoying it. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, I won't, be, uh, I won't be quitting for anything for the time now. Yeah, good. <laughs> kind of stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And we, we love being stuck with you. So that's, that's good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I do find it fascinating, fascinating rather, uh, and very interesting. You know, I was putting the two words together. Uh, first postcard podcast for the year. So you can't <laughs> even say podcast yet. Um, but a lot of people that I talk to have a break from bowling for a while. Now, what age did you first, like first have that first break? I think it was pretty soon after like junior-ish. Yep. Um, because again, all of a sudden, your parents aren't supporting Boarding, you for your yeah. bowling. You've got to support yourself. And bowling back then, bowling balls were about the same price as they are now. Yeah. But, you know, a $200 bowling ball back then was a lot of money. Right yes. now, it's $200. It's it's not so much. So, um, and even, I mean, game fees are a lot better back then. But, and you could practice some of the more independent centers and those yep. sorts of things too, which made it a bit easier. But mostly the, with the travel and those sorts of things, I just couldn't afford it. So, yep. Um, so the, as I said, I took the time off. I did come back for that one year. Yep. Um, I think I might have actually started working at Woden Ten Pin Bowl, which sort of got me back into it a little bit then. Um, but that only lasted for a short amount of time. Oh, yeah. Um, and then again, my children sort of took up a lot of my time, a lot of my that sort of stuff and energy. Um, and yeah, so then I took that other break until the until 2014, 2015. Um, but I wasn't really enjoying it. Yep. Uh, I had did have a lot of other stuff going on. Um, work was very busy. Um, so yeah, I got out of it then. But yep. um, once I transitioned, like yeah, you know, all, all my junior life as a kid, all the time, I always was felt like I was. You know, I don't want to be here. I want to be over there. I want to be yep. bowling with the girls, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I uh, couldn't do that. So then. Post transition, I've really sort of come out of my shell. Yep. Um, and really started to enjoy my life a lot more. Not that it always looks like that on the lanes, but um, now I can really experience what I didn't get as a kid. Yep. So that's what I'm out there doing now. I'm, and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's just, again, it doesn't always look like I'm enjoying it on the lanes, but that's 10 pin bowling. So. <laughs> well, sport is very frustrating. Exactly and I have to right. say, as a 10 pin bowler, I've got to put former in there. Former 10 yeah. pin bowler. Well, we're myself. still trying to get you back. <laughs> yeah. <I think>. yeah. <laughs> we want you back. I've got to be a pride monarch, don't yeah, I? That's right. yeah. Exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> if we can get a pride monarch's team into the TBA, that'd be awesome. Right? It would be. It mm. would be. Um, so I want to sort of dive into, I want to park just for the moment, um, sort of post-transition and, yeah. and sort of how you, what I've seen sort of flourished over the last couple of years, yeah. um, which has been awesome. Um, go back to the, sort of your junior days when you were involved in the sport. Mm. Um, how was that for you? Now, obviously you've said that, you know, you always looked over at the girls and yeah. it's like, yeah. I think I should be over there. Yeah. Sort of what age did you start to feel like that, you know, the gender you'd been born with wasn't your identity? I don't know that I really understood what I was going through. Yep. Um, back when I was a kid, you didn't have access to the information you have access to now. Yep. I just knew there was something different about me. I wanted to do different things. I wanted to dress different ways. And I couldn't do that. I grew up in a very strict family. Um, 
that yeah I so I didn't feel I could I certainly couldn't express myself yep. outwardly I didn't feel yeah but I could do it inwardly so I spent a lot of time to myself um, doing things to make me feel better yep. um, to try and get things through but the flip side of that is for, for, for me and, and some other tra my trans friends you then take on that very masculine persona yes so you become very outwardly into other sports or or other physical activities to try and hide what you need to so yep. you can then do what you need to do in in your private life so um, yeah so I always knew I was different I just didn't know what or yep. why um, I think I'm not really sure when I discovered the internet or, or information on the internet, but I, I did, and that started to tell me little bits and pieces about what I was doing, and I thought that was um, I thought it was one thing, um, but then uh, there was a, an event that happened in my life that I needed to go speak to someone, and I thoroughly recommend to anybody if you have problems in your life, really do seek out that professional help. It really yeah. does help. So I did that. Um, and then we touched on some bits and pieces and she couldn't, she sort of knew what was there, but she wasn't experienced. So she put me back yep. in, in contact with someone else, spoke to a lady called Tashara, Dr. Tashara. And then from there, I went and met another doctor and just all these doors just opened, the floodgates opened. And I knew from probably the 10 minutes into talking to Tashara, this is exactly what I was. This is where I, my brain doesn't work the way I think it should. Yep. And everything just downhill, like, like and, but in a good way right. downhill. Yep, it's yep, nice yep, and yep, easy. Yep, so, yep. Yeah, felt and right. Absolutely. And I went from being having one idea of what I was, but then to knowing what I was. was yes. It was, and and it, and that's it was like a massive, big, not the whole, you know, metaphorical weight off my shoulders sure. and that yep. sort of stuff. But I just understood myself, and from yep. that, all of a sudden, rather than being an angry, cranky male i was just less cranky <laughs> so, i mean i still have you still have those those things and especially when um you know as a trans person you sort of do struggle with your with hormone levels and that sort of stuff yep. um so i can know when my hormones are wrong because i can feel my moods going yes oh hang on a sec i need to sort of adjust those so, yeah. yeah so certainly that has really really helped my life like i've just you know, you say you've seen me flourish the last two years. That's yep. I have. I really have just become this much happier, much more open, and and I'm enjoying my life a lot yep. more. So I just think that's like fantastic that you know we're here on this planet way too way too little way amount too of time, short, right? right? Yeah, too short. Life's mm. too short, and so I just think people just need to enjoy themselves, and we need to create an environment where people can just be who they want to be and just live their life authentically. It's um, not, yes, it's no one else's business. Like, no. I'm just me doing my thing. I'm not there to take advantage or anything like that. I'm just there being me and having a great time about it. So. Um, that, that, is, that is awesome. Mm. So how long would it have been? Like, What age were you when you then saw this, uh, these doctors and you started then to piece everything together so what am i now oh my god uh, i think i first started um the second time so there was there was a period maybe when i in my late 40s where i want to sp speak to my doctor yep um and he was a very good doctor and very close family friend um and i said look 
this is what I think I want to do. And yep. he said, oh, I have no idea what to do about that sort of stuff. So, But I'll put you in contact with this doctor. And the only thing that that doctor had was that she was trans herself. Yep. And so I thought, uh, and I am an art about it a long time. I was still, my children were still a little young. Um, I was still developing my career and that sort of stuff. Yep. And I just wasn't really super sure yep. that I really, because I knew that doing that was going to open some other doors and make some other things difficult. Um, so, yeah, I just wasn't really sure. It wasn't until I was 50 that I, and this thing happened, and we won't touch on that, but that was the catalyst. But in that, that intervening period, my home life really did start to change. Yep. I was privately, I was very much becoming a different person. I didn't yep. call myself Madeline back at that stage. I didn't choose that name until much later. Um, but I had created a, an alias and that sort of stuff yep. for, for online and when I was trying to email and that sort of stuff. Um, so in that period, I really did a lot of research and was learning on a similar but not quite the same route. Yep. Um, and then once I found these doctors, I thought, well, hang on a sec, this is it. And then, so yep. yeah, so it was probably 45, 45 to 50 was when it was really, really gathering steam. I was becoming more confident in myself too and more confident in um, my ability to cope with the, what I would need to do to change. Yep. Um, and same with like with work. I work in a very masculine field. I'm, I'm not sure if people know, but I'm a, a police officer. Yep. So unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, it's a very male-dominated area. Um, and I was or am a very well-respected police officer. So for me to want to do that in that area, was I knew was going to be quite difficult. Well, yep. no, I perceived it to be quite difficult. Yep. It, it turned out that I was 100% wrong. It has been the smoothest of sailing. Um, but so, yeah, so in that period, I did a lot of research, a lot of learning. Um, and then when it came time to make this final decision, it became very, very simple. Simple, yep. Now, I just wanted to like rewind on that. So you've said 45 to 50. Yep. And you spoke about having thoughts of like, I should be with the girls bowling. Yep. So that's a like 20, almost 30 oh, year yeah. period. And there's 25 yep. years worth of clothing choices yeah. in the way in cupboards <laughs> and that sort of stuff. But I would do in private because I didn't, I, did, I, I certainly couldn't do it in public. Oh, but yep. There were partners who knew what I was trying to do or, 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 or the, the sensations I was trying to get from my life. Oh, yep. um, so I, yeah, so there were plenty of partners who knew. And I think, look, I think even maybe in, uh, in the 90s when I was working at the bowling alley, and this is really outing myself here, but there was a very drunken night we had a Christmas party or we had some sort of party at the bowling alley. Yep. And I probably said way too much. But a lot of people found out some stuff then. Yep. Um, and to my surprise, they were all, oh, well, whatever, you do you. you so yep. I didn't, they didn't care. So um, so that was quite, a, quite pleasant because you're hiding all this stuff and you have all that anxiety about, oh, people find out. And then when they did, they've gone, oh, whatever. You're just yep. you. Keep on, let's move on. So, yeah, so that was a bit embarrassing. But, yeah, that's... But it was probably the first time I told anyone what I was doing or, yes. or that yes. I felt different or I needed to do certain things to make myself feel better. So, yeah. Uh, it's such a, such a long time and, you know, something else that I just picked up from what you're saying is, like, did a lot of research in trying to find out, like, who you were. Yeah. And um, I just don't, like, from a 
you know, heteronormative perspective, I just don't think that happens to people. Like they don't, no, they don't go and they don't like research what am I feeling, or they don't, you know, we go and talk about, or they go and talk about, you know, how they're feeling to a psychologist or a psychiatrist if that they need to do that, um, or a mental health professional. But you know, to really dive into like, uh, you know, a, a different personality and you know, a, a different identity. Um, yeah. I just think like hearing that, I was like. That is just a lot of lot of work that a lot of people don't have to have to do. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think it it was it was a lot of work. It was a lot of research, a lot of yeah. learning. Um, but it was also it was good for me because yeah. I was able to just able to quantify what I was trying, what I was feeling, yeah. what yeah. I, and understand myself better and with more understanding of myself more acceptance yeah i'm not weird i'm not a freak i'm this is just normal there are lots yeah. of other people who feel exactly the same way you do yeah um so yeah that, that the research became like the um the comforter if you like yeah. of that you you are actually a normal person you're not some sort of weirdo so and because you have that i felt was strange i felt isolated as a kid but isolated as a, as a teenager because well, I don't know anyone like me. Yes. I mean, yeah, I've, I know the guys and I know the girls and I know that, but there's no one like me as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I was just yeah. the only one. And it's not until you start to get into the community or you start to do research that you realise that there are thousands and thousands of people exactly the same and probably all having the same learning experiences yep. that you are. The good thing nowadays is that these kids who are having these issues have people to talk to. They have the internet to look up and they can go, oh, that's me. And they're starting to realise this younger. And oh my god! If I had only realised what I knew now, knew now, then I would have transitioned way earlier. I mean, I don't wish that because I've got three beautiful children who I love very, very much. I've got a great career um, and I've got a good family and that sort of stuff. So all that might have changed if I transitioned <laughs> early. Yeah. So my journey is what it is, and I'm very, very happy with what it was. But yes, of course, like most trans people, I wish I'd come out when I was ten, yeah. so that I didn't have you know, a deep voice and a hairy face and those sorts of things. But, you know, nothing nothing's insurmountable these days. So, yeah. No, not at all. And, um, yeah, I just, you, you look at it back back then and you didn't have the access to the internet. Absolutely. And especially you're talking about 80s and mm. 90s. Um, and I think too, you know, being in Canberra. Um, small community. Small community. Yep. Like yep. You, you run off percentages and maybe only one or two other people exactly. potentially that would yep. be like you living in Canberra. Um, you know, I always think it's a bit different in, in Sydney. You know, mm. When I moved to Sydney, I think that my life changed and you know, my identity as a, a gay person changed and I you know, got to experience different yep. things. So that's always always uh, really good and really helps you build who you are as a person. Absolutely, but, yeah. yeah. To not have that around and not have sort of those people around as well is always uh, quite difficult. Yeah. Um, to have people who understand you. Like yes. It's just... And I think for me it was, I think if I'd reached out to people, more people would have been understanding. I mean, if you think back to when I said I outed myself when I was that drunken thing, I think if I'd reached out then, more people would have been more supportive than I yep. thought. Yeah. But you still have that whole, the stigma around it, that sort of stuff. So, you know, I don't, um, I don't regret anything of that sort of stuff yep. other than maybe not exploring it more then. But again, if I did that then things wouldn't be the way they are yeah, now yeah. And i'm very very happy with how things are now so excellent what was it like during that transition period like and it's not sort of if you can 
um, as much as you want to share, just share sort of what it means to transition because it's not like you go, right, I've decided that, you know, I'm, I'm trans and I'm going to, yeah. you know, transition to the gender that I yeah. you know, believe. It's like I don't wake up tomorrow and that all happens. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> for, so for me, I guess I'm not, I want to say I'm very regimented, but I'm not. I'm just process-driven and want to look after myself and my own, uh, um, not, not my own needs, but I want to look after myself, look after the people yep. around me. I didn't want to hurt anyone. But when I realised who I was and what I was planning on doing, I decided that the very, my very first decision was I'm going to do this privately. Yep. There are things that trans people do to make themselves feel better and I planned that out. Um, and then I, so I needed to do, uh, to see psychologists and those sorts of things and, um, and get permission, which I think is, abomin is an abomination, but um, that's what you need to do. Um, so I had planned that I was just going to transition but do everything privately. Yep. And at home I'd live my life as a woman and at, outwardly I'd live my life as a man. So I'd spoken to my doctor and my psychologist and they both agreed that I was mentally capable of making that decision well, they weren't necessarily agreeing that that was the best way to handle things. They thought that was the best way to handle things in my particular situation. Yep. So I then had to go and see a second psychologist for the process. And my first psychologist gave her a whole lot of information. And she told me that you would just go see this one, this psychologist one time. And um, she would then tick it off and we could then proceed with everything else we needed to do. So I go to see this lady. And um, at the very start of it, I said, you know, I'm just here to get this ticked off, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this should only take, you know, one session. Um, and she said, oh, no, no, we could be four or five sessions of, of, to make this decision. I go, oh, okay. In that intervening period, because she said, because, you know, you want to do this hidden away, you want to do it. And I don't, I'm not really sure I understand that. You want to live one life and two lives and that sort of stuff. But in that intervening period, I decided that, hang on a sec, if I do that, all I'm really doing is reversing what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm living, as, well, now I'm privately doing it. I, what I, I don't want to do that. I want to be 100% in this. Yes. And I'd made that decision and we sat down with her and I said, well, that's what I had thought, but it's been four or five weeks since I my last appointment mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of time to think about this. I don't want that. I want to make these steps. I want to be doing this. I want to be out. I want to be proud. I want to be me 24-7. And by the end of the, that session with that lady, she said, well, you clearly know what you're doing. And off she signed and <laughs> off I went. So it was awesome. It did only take one session. It did only <laughs> take one session, absolutely. I, because I, I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew the consequences of what I was going to do. Um, I think by that stage, I'd probably already spoken to my children yep. and they were, okay, cool. What's for dinner? They didn't. didn't <laughs> honestly, and that's how I describe it quite often. They go, oh, well, whatever. You know, let's keep on going. They don't, they don't care at all. They've been... 100% supportive. So, have you um, found that a lot, um, particularly while you're in that transition stage and you're making, uh, you know, changes in your life? And obviously, you know, when you're, you're going through those changes, it starts to be at some stage some visible changes to yeah. outsiders. Yeah. Have you? Has everyone been supportive, or have you found people? You know, there's some. I potentially think some ignorance or some, to my to my face and to yep. my knowledge, um, everyone has been super supportive. Yep. Um, I am 100% sure there are people who are not supportive. Yep. Um, in my workplace, 1,000% um, 
um, super supportive and yep. helped me all the way along. But also I do know that in the background there have been some other people who have been a bit concerned. Like um, my process with my operation was such that um, I'd spoken to my bosses and we would make, we'd made a plan of how we were going to do this because it's a big thing, it's yes. a bit confusing. I work with, in my office, there's a lot of women and a lot of men. So it's there's bathrooms and that sort of stuff. And I knew there was going to be some sort of issues because some of them are a little, little bit older and a bit concerned. So what we the plan was that I was going to go away for six weeks as I was going to leave as Brett and come back as Madeline. Yep. And I'd have six weeks off to do recovery from that sort of stuff. Um, but then the surgeon uh, broke his finger. Oh, God. <laughs> us. What he, well, surfing, broke his finger surfing, <laughs> so I couldn't do my operation. So I then had to come back, um, but I'd already sort of said I'm going to be coming back as Madeline. Oh, so yep. there's really only this two week period where they had to, um, where they had to adjust rather than the six weeks. Yep. So I came back, and in that period, I used the male bathroom, but addressed was Madeline. Um, so that was sort of the the getting to know period. Yeah. Then I went and went off, and I had my six weeks off. Uh, and I came back and I said to my boss, well, look, they've had the plenty of time. I'm now back as Madeline. I'm going to be working in this capacity. Everyone just has to accept it. And he yep. went, well, I would have made them do that before. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it wasn't a problem. So, yeah, so it's, it's been, work has been very, 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 very easy. So. And my children too. I mean, and even the bowling fraternity have been largely um, accepting. I mean, again, I'm sure there are people in the background <sighs> The faceless people <laughs> in the background, um, or the keyboard warriors, the keyboard or yeah. warriors, yeah, who don't who don't want to face you, but they're in the background and they say stuff. Yeah, but largely, I have been accepted fully, uh, especially by the you know by the elite females who yes. I'm bowling against, have been amazing to me. It's I, I can't thank them enough um, for their acceptance. It's just yeah, it's been amazing. I've, yeah, how did you feel? when you were coming back into bowling and you're coming now as a, a trans athlete and you're you know, participating in the, we're all competing in the women's section. Did you have any doubts? Did you have any anxiety around it? Like what were you feeling going into doing that? No, because I didn't. I, because the lead up was, and I've been bowling league as Madeline. Yep. And everyone was just going, oh, that's Madeline, she's bowling league. And I bowled a lot of, um, I bought a couple of regional events as, yep. as Madeline as well, and I'd been given the eight points, um, eight pins and that sort of stuff. So I was already sort of doing it, so I wasn't anticipating anything. Yes. Um, I think the very first tournament, like ranked tournament I was coming was the New South Wales Open. Yep. Um, and that's when I think Michael Craig said, oh, we sort of need to dot our eyes and cross our teeth just to yep. find out. So I... Th I don't really remember the process, but I think I reached out to TBA and then they, I, I understand now, I didn't know then, but I understand now that they reached out to you to find out how you felt, which was kind of ironic. Because, so anyway, so yeah, so, but as it turned out, I bowled there and I made the cut um, and on the second day I didn't do very well, but um, yeah, uh, that, and that sort of was the start of it. So then I guess... The decision by that stage was made. TBA had made a decision, sure. yeah. in my mind anyway, um, that I was going to be allowed to bowl in the female events and that I would continue on doing that. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't until this year that yep. something red is ugly head and I had no idea that this was a problem. Like I was, I bowled, by the time uh, this year's nationals came around, I had bowled 
New South Wales Open, and I bowled Sun City Women's uh, Vic 150. 50, yep. uh, I think two seniors events, all in the female division. So I just didn't anticipate any problems. Yep. So I'm not sure if we were going down this road, but <laughs> no, 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 for sure. Um, and probably you know something I want to ask about too, because I think it does show. Um, uh, not ignorance, uh, ignorance is probably not the right word, but I think sporting organisations too often have absolutely no idea about this space. Absolutely. Um, and very much sport has always been male and female. It's been very delineated down the, down the middle. Um, and I know it's a very contentious issue about trans athletes, particularly, you know, one way more than the other. Yeah. So, um, you know, Anyone that was uh, physiologically born uh, a male that's transitioned uh, into a female participating in the the female um, division always seems to cop a lot more than the other way around, yep. Yep. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, you know, I did receive a, a phone call, and I think that you know I just want to share that again because I think it just shows where some sports and probably I, I would think most sports just haven't really don't know where to go with it yeah um so i don't think it's ignorance i actually thinks it's not being exposed to it um and it's not actually then going and investing the money and finding out what needs to happen and what causes uh, advantages in certain sports um I, I say this all the time like you know you compete you don't want to be seen to be having some sort of unfair advantage absolutely not no one does no when no. you compete you want to, you want to win and when you win, you want everyone to know that it was because you were good yeah. and you were the best on the day. Yeah. And that's it. Um, but, yeah, they did, TBA did ring me. Uh, so TBA is the National Sporting um, sporting Organization of Champion Bowling. They rang me and they're like, we've got this scenario. And I think it was more from a, well, whatever you do, like you're going to have to back it up. So as long as you're comfortable with it. And I was like, I'm comfortable with that. And this is the thing that I find interesting about TBA and – and, and TBA have been great to me. They've yep. really been very, very supportive to a point. And I think this is part of the problem. They're the national sporting body. They make the rules. They don't ring a tournament director and say, yep. oh, do you know, how, how do you feel about this? They go, this is what we've decided. This is what you're going to do. Yep. Which is what hap didn't happen when we came up to the nationals. Was, yes. We have a promoter who is then dictating to the – the, the governing body, how the rules will be enforced. Course, yeah. And to me, that was, what? I, I, uh, what? Like, imagine if, imagine if the, the uh, Tennis Australia said to, we're, we're going to have your, the tennis tournament, uh, yep. and then the promoter of the, of the I can't even get the words out. Yeah. Well, it's like the United Cup now at the moment in, in Sydney that's happening. That's uh, they basically turn around and say, like, this is the way it's going to be. That's yeah. right. You, you, the promoter doesn't dictate to the, the event or to the sporting Sport. body, yeah. the rules of the game, no. <laughs> and that's what's happened. That's what's happened. Like TBA ring you to say what do you, how do you feel? Really, they should be saying just letting you know. Yeah, we've made this decision. She can bowl in the females. And you go, oh, okay, that wasn't a scenario I understood, but that's fine. But, yeah. No problem because you're the sporting body, and I'm going to be running the event, and that's what I felt should have happened leading into. Uh, to, to the to nationals, nationals this year, but yeah. did it? Fortunately, I went into a. Um, oh, okay, what do I do now? So I just started making some phone calls and writing some letters, and you know, eventually I got them to change their decision. And to their credit, 
they were both, um, no, I can't try to remember them. Ashley and Mark were really, really nice while we were there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do think they probably gave me a lot of lip service. Yep. Um, and I think that's probably business related so that they continued on with their business and that's fair enough. You know, they've got a business to run. It's their, t their other events is a, is a multi-million dollar event each year and they don't want to lose that. So they had to, I think they had to do what they did, were doing with me. So, yep. um, so yeah, so, so they were very, very nice. Mark's a very nice person. Ashley's a nicer person than I was expecting. So in the end, the right thing happened and I was able to compete and I competed very well. I was very, yeah. very lucky. So, Do you think, like obviously that event was down in Tasmania mm -hmm. and again, much smaller city, do you think that potentially that was influencing their decision in that there was a lack of exposure? I think, um, yeah, I think they were naive, yep. to be honest, Ashley and, um, and Mark. I think they were naive to the, to the strong um, community that they have down there because... I found Rodney Croom, I hope if that's his name, and he is a massive advocate for inclusion in sport. Yep. Huge. And he's all over the country and that sort of stuff. And I sent him an email. He called me not five minutes after getting the oh, email wow. to say, this isn't right. This is what we're going to do. Put me in touch with a solicitor, did this. He said, you should write to these government agencies and that sort of stuff. So emails went out and yeah, it was all sorted out. But yeah, Tasmania has this massive big... Um, support network yep. for the community so and it's all in inclusion that was and it was I think I'm not sure about other states but Tasmania was possibly the worst state for them to try and pull this pull this yep. off. so I think they were just naive in that they didn't realize they thought they could do it um, and they could they could dictate it because Ashley has her views and that's she's totally entitled to those views they're wrong of course <laughs> I think um, but she's entitled, entitled to have those uh, yeah um, she's not entitled to Force them on a sporting body, like I've said before, but yeah. So I was able to get the support I needed, needed to yep. get that change. So yep. that was really, really good. And as I said, when I got down there, they were super nice to me. So, how do you find um, it is dealing with people that have views like Ashley's? Ashley and Mark are the only people who, are, or Ashley's the only person who's really shown me views that I didn't that align with mine. I've never yep. had that from other people. Yep. I've never had, I've never walked into a female's toilet and been grunted at or anything like that or told I shouldn't be in here or, um, or anything. I haven't had those negative experiences. I have been, and I'm, I'm sure that's lucky. I mean, I know there are trans people out there who have had those experiences. Yeah. I just haven't. I've been super lucky. So, uh, like, you know, it's like refreshing and fantastic to hear because you do hear some absolutely. absolute horror, horror stories. Um, and I think, you know, I think at the end of last year too, um, started to see a lot of world sporting organisations start to change their, uh, well, not change their stance on it, but really put it into policy yeah. um, around excluding trans women from participating and competing in the women's events. One of the more interesting sports to do that uh, is to have excluded trans females is chess. Yes, I was actually on a, um, a on the Rainbow Advocate on mm. Joy, um, and yeah, <laughs> the presenter was very much like Evelyn was very much like, um, why are we excluding chess? Yeah. Chess, like, what advantage <laughs> do, can there possibly possibly be? Because a lot of, and I have to say, you know, this is what I hear. Um, so you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of 
why people think that you know trans women should be excluded from women is the physiological side of things right so then you go into a sport like chess and then i go well your argument now doesn't stack up anymore does it there's no argument for chess at all and um the the physiological physiological one i sort of can understand in some sports and not others like in darts or snooker there's not really much physical sport uh not much physical demand demand, that sort of stuff but in football or in tennis, there are there's, it is more bowling sort of fits in the middle where there's yep. you know there is some power but there's also finesse there's also yep. you know there's so it's sort of in the middle and and even more so as I sort of fit into the middle too I don't have a massive rev rate but yep. yes I have a, a higher rev rate than some girls yep. not all there are girls out there who rev the ball harder than me um, and certainly as they come through the two handed girls are all going to out rev us all so. Yep. Those sorts of things are changing in the sport anyway. So while I, some trans people have a, a stronger stronger physique, yep. not all of them do. And the flip side of that is hormones have taken away a lot of that from me. Yes. When I was not taking uh, estrogen and I was and not testosterone blockers, I was physically stronger. I'm certainly not that anymore. So then if you ban me from female events well that's now i'm now disadvantaged in male events too so where do i fit there's not like there's not like there's a trans league (laughs) well and and this is part of what i don't think people understand either because a lot of people are like well no you know you weren't born female so you shouldn't be allowed to be in there because of i've read x y and z online and anyway like i don't think anyone's done enough research to definitively say that there is or isn't an advantage on whenever you transition Um, and very much it's going to be as you're explaining on the spectrum there sport by sport yep and then it's going to be case by case basis too um because you know potentially some um trans women were very slender males that never ever lifted anything exactly. over two kilos yeah. in their life so um i think you know we need to really have a case-by-case analysis of it and a, a sport-by-sport analysis and there's just not enough money that goes into that now to understand that exactly. at this stage and i believe i think um tba are looking to align themselves i'm not sure if i'm talking a little bit out of school I, i've had some some stuff to do with tba trying to get an inclusion policy yep um around trans people they're trying to align themselves a little with Lawn Bowls because yep. Lawn Bowls has got more uh, competitors, that sort of stuff, and it's coming through for them too. But I think um, Tempe Bowling Australia want to use a, a lot of the, the US stuff because yep. the US have done a little bit of research into uh, to trans athletes over there. So I think they want to try and bring that in. Um, I was hoping we would have that policy by this for the first of this year, um, but we're not there yet. But you know, we are certainly working towards that. And I think... Um, I think we'll get there. I, yep. I don't foresee TBA coming to me and saying, oh, look, you no longer can, but that could potentially could okay. happen. Yep. Um, but I don't foresee that happening. I think uh, Rowan and, and Nathan and other people I've spoken to on TBA are very supportive. I know, as I said, the, or the competitors I compete against, they're all happy to compete against me. So I think if you... From on a case by case basis, in my particular case, if the competitors are happy, then the associate or the, the governing body should, should be happy. happy. Yeah. Um, and then if we want to go through and do some, I would more than happily subject myself to the testing to try and to, to show that where I fit. Yeah. Um, because as I said, I am 
in the middle again. I'm in the middle of the middle. Yes. Maybe a bit higher up, but certainly in the middle of the middle when it comes to my, my physical attributes so, of, yeah. of, of 10 pin bowling. And then I think you compare that to, you know, obviously the men naturally usually score a little bit higher than the ladies in, in 10 pin bowling. And that's why if that's a mixed division, there's eight pins handicap given. But, um, you know, I don't think it's, it's definitely not a sport where if you were stronger, you're not necessarily going to get a better result. No, and, I don't and, think so. and it's not always the way either. Uh, and I think that there's plenty of other sports that are, are like that. Um, and yeah, I just think we need to understand our sports better yeah. and what makes people good at our sports and then to be able to make a, a very good determination on that. But I, I, you know, I really like that you know, the governing body is obviously doing some work around yeah. trans inclusion, which is, which is super important because people always say, you know, ignorant people, I call them ignorant people, um, but they always say they should have their own division. And I'm like, well, what, compete against themselves? Like yeah. you're the only, <laughs> you are the only trans athlete in temping bowling. Mm. You, you, you don't get better. You're not going to have a competition. There's nothing to compete yeah, against exactly. if, if that's the way we, we go. And, you know, I think that just goes down a very, very bad rabbit hole. Yes. Um, and that, you know, we need to work on inclusion rather than Absolutely. And yeah, different divisions. Because yeah, totally, yeah. that's not going to work. No, you're right. It's, it isn't going to work. There's, yeah, we do need to... We need to dispel the myths yeah. to try and, and understand the sport. Now, whether the sport has to... Put in uh, money into that, or align themselves with other sports. Because we need to have some sort of governance around it, so that we don't have issues that uh, promoters or, or other entities can dictate to the athlete whether or not they can compete. Right. Because yep. it, that it, that really was a very very difficult time. Like I had had such a great time um, previous to that. Yep. That that particular lead up to that, I was stressed and. All those sorts of things, um, you know, and, and to to an extent, I didn't really even enjoy being down there. Yes. It wasn't until Rockway was one thing. I was very stressed through that. I still enjoyed it, and even the teams down there had a, we had a great time. Oh, they didn't yep. care. Um, it wasn't until I got into the Masters and I started to, I think, I think it steeled me into really making sure I was at my best. Yep. Uh, and then I qualified quite well. Um, I, my first day was really, really good, and I knew I was close on the second day. I didn't open the best. I probably got a bit second day nerves, and that does seem to happen but, a little yep. bit. Um, but then I just hit my straps. So, and I think I was mentally stronger because of what had happened in the lead up yep. to that. So. Yeah, and I always think you know there's some sort of um, thing that you'll need to get over as an athlete, right? Like you need to build resilience, and it's unfortunate yep. that that was what helped you build resilience but uh, I think that always shows who's going to come out on top and like that could have really affected you mentally and yep. when you're mentally affected you're not going to perform well Certainly. so I, I think you know no matter you know when people try and make the argument about physiological and power and all that sort of stuff that's great but if mentally you're not there, yeah, yeah. Then it's not going to happen. And so, bowling is such a mental sport. Like correct. you've really got to be mentally tough in ten pin bowling, especially when the lane conditions get hard and those sorts of things. So, your physical game can be perfect, but if your mental game is rubbish, then you're out. Out, correct, <laughs> <laughs> correct. So. Uh, but one of the things you know you, you have mentioned about a couple of 
you know, bowling in a couple of seniors events, um, which I think is great. Uh, and I understand that the seniors have been very, very welcoming, um, which again, just that, like lights my face up with yeah. absolute joy because I think of the demogra- that, that demographic and what they would have grown up at and the, the laws that yep. they grew up with, um, which were you know, very anti-gay you know, and lesbian people, let alone trans Absolutely, people. Yeah. Um, how does, you know, what is that like for you and how does that make you, you feel? And It's great. I mean, I just, I don't know how they felt the very first, I turned up to, my first senior's event was a convulsion last year, yeah. which is coming up again this year. And I just turned up. Um, I'm sure the event, by that stage, the event organisers must have known. No, yeah. Um, and some people, there must have been a ripple effect and some people must have gone, oh, oh, oh. So that must have gone out that I was coming. Um, but, yeah, everyone was just, oh, well, you're here to bowl. Like, and they just want to get on with them bowl and, yep. you know, I've upset some of them, but not because I'm trans, but more because I ride the ball too far or yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Must, must really, I've got to find that lady and apologise to her. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. You got too much energy on the lanes for them. Well, if, you, if it's the six one and you're riding at two lanes, of course. So, so, you know. so yeah. So, but I, but yeah, I turned up there and there really wasn't any issues at all. Yep. Um, clothing choice was a bit of a problem, but I had tassels on my skirt, which apparently you weren't allowed to do. So. I fixed that now, and yeah, I've got really have made some really really nice friends down there, and then I go to and compete with and see them, and they come up and say hi and give me a hug and that sort of stuff. So it's really really good. That bowling has been overall, yep, super supportive. Yep. They just don't care. They just want to compete. So and I we all compete at a high level. So when you compete with people at a high level, that makes you bowl better. Yes. So and that's what people want. So and they want to enjoy themselves. And I certainly. Most of the time, enjoy myself when I'm yep. bowling. So yep. I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I am loud and I am, and I ride the ball and that sort of stuff. And if I'm not doing well, most a lot of people know as well. But I think that's people, they enjoy the good of that sort of stuff. Yes. So, um, and I think they see me as um, out there having a good time and contributing and that sort of stuff. So I think you know that's why it's come from because I've been fairly positive. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's always good to watch a competitor too. Yeah, and you know, right in the highs and the lows, yeah. that's um, definitely a, a sign of a, a true competitor. Yeah, and people love watching that. So I'm, I'm sure that's probably part of it too. Even though you know, saying might be a bit, bit loud and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've always always thought that, especially being very loud myself. <laughs> no one would say that about you. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Shy and very quiet. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly uh, right, are three yeah. words that I get often. That's yes, for sure. Yeah, 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 I can well imagine. <laughs> I know there was, um, you know, you're coming up and you made the final of the Australian Masters, I believe. Yeah, um, step ladder final. Step ladder yeah, final. Yeah. yeah, and also, um, you know, now last year's New South Wales Open, you're in the the final for the top two there. Yeah. Um, I you know, Jamie sort of commented and being like at those moments getting a little uneasy himself like obviously he wants you to do do well and it's not a thought that he wants to have but it's in around like if you win and if you're doing really really well is that going to end up being bad for you and end up having negative thoughts so any does that come into your mind at all and i mean it's like it 
shouldn't happen. We know that. And I'm not saying that it's it, it's right or anything like that. Um, but are there thoughts there you know, when you're getting down and you're like, well, I could I'd win this? Is there thoughts of like that could potentially upset the apple cart with how supportive people are? Um, no. At the time, no. Yep. You know, um, in, in the Masters, Australian Masters, I wasn't thinking about that at all. Yep. Um, all I was thinking, I was, I remember, I remember cutting, and Michael, my coach, Michael Craig, was crook as, and I rang him after I'd made the cut, and I was, I was basically, I was crying. I yep. was in tears. I felt, I did, at that point, I felt very isolated. Um, I think that was for a number of reasons, mostly because of what had gone on beforehand, yep. but also because, yeah, there was a few other bits and pieces that had gone on that day. And I just felt very isolated. I rang him crying and said, look, I really do need you to come down and watch. Um, and he, to his credit, him and, him and Jared did, his partner, and they came down and supported me, which is really, really lovely. Um, and once I got myself together, I didn't think about anything. All yep. I was thinking about was concentrating on my bowling um, and doing well. I wanted to win. I didn't, I didn't even think about what might happen if I did. I just wanted to. And I think that's... Anyone who makes a final in any sport, they don't think about the repercussions afterwards. Yep. What might happen, they just want to win at the time. Um, same with New South Wales Open. Like, I knew where I was on that day and it became apparent that I was actually bowling really well that well, day. Yep. Um, so then, um, I'm going to butcher her name, Sian was, and, her, and her and I were doing really, really well at close and we were, and Beck was obviously miles in front. Fun. Yep. Um, so I came up against Sian and unfortunately, or fortunately for me, unfortunately for her, pretty much came down to one single pin in the last game for her in our, in our match that she missed that let me win. Yep. And then that got me into the final. So, um, so I was really concentrating on really trying to win. I wanted, again, wanted to win. I had no thoughts of, oh, if I win, what people are going to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe I, if, if I had one, I'd reflect on that. But I think the fact that I've now competed on such a high level in both those two tournaments, that's, could, that, those, that thought process could be there anyway. It's right, not, yeah. you know, oh, she didn't win, but she's there and she has a potential to win these events. So coming third or second was irrelevant really in the, in the conversation. It's the yep. fact that she's there competing. Um, she has that potential. So that conversation's probably already started. Um, yep. I still haven't heard anything negative in relation to that. But again, living in Canberra, we're probably a bit isolated towards that. But, you know, I, I think, I really believe that I've got a lot of support and they don't really care. Yep. If, if I win, well, I was the winner on the day. So and if I don't win, well, I contributed and I, and I was and a competitor on the day. So yep. I don't think they... I, they don't see me as who I was. They just see me as another girl on the lane. Yeah. Doing her best to try and win. So, and I think um, you know, like I haven't heard anything to all of the the female um, competitors' credit. Like I haven't heard anything negative from them at all. Um, I probably don't seem like the most open person <laughs> for them to, to speak poorly uh, about anything of, of of anyone in our community. But uh, again, like you know, you you hear things when you walk through bowling centres yeah, and right. that sort of thing. Um, so I haven't heard anything to to their credit, which is great. Uh, and I do think that they actually sort of revel in the the challenge. Like, yeah. you know, at least we've got another high 
um, high-performing female that we are going to go up against. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think, you know, particularly, you know, unfortunately, bowling's was great in the, the 90s and huge in the 90s. Um, it's not as big as it, it used to be. So the female scene is quite, quite small. Um, so I think that, yeah, just having someone else there to you know, stir the pot and yeah. for them to go up against uh, has been actually welcomed by them and they've opened, you know. Yeah, I think so too. Greeted it with open arms. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I didn't, the start of last year, I wasn't competing very well at all. Like I was yep. really struggling on the on the national tour. So it wasn't until the last two events that I sort of hit my straps. So, yeah. Um, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll be a bit better this year. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems like, you know, you, and you've said it yourself, you're a lot happier within who you are as a person. Um, and I always think, and it, probably your evidence of it too, that when you're feel better within yourself, you perform better as so, an athlete. Yeah, yep. um, do, you, do you look back at the days and, and go, you know, potentially I would have done better as a trans athlete at a younger age? Or I know you don't have yeah. regrets because of the life you, you built, but... Potentially, because I would have... I find it easier now to deal with when I'm not bowling well yep. than I used to... You know, when I was before, before transition, I was... If I wasn't bowling well, that was it was gone. Gone. Yep. Whereas now, when I'm I'm learning more, I'm more relaxed in what I'm doing. Yeah, I have we all have bad days when I can't get it back, but mostly now I can have a couple of bad games and go, all right, I make some adjustments, get my head right, and come back. back. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's those sorts of positives out, out of it. So I think I would have competed at a more higher level. Um, had I transitioned a lot earlier, yes, yep. I do think that. I think I would have been mentally tougher and mentally more at ease with myself yep. than having those internal struggles with, you know, you know, I was always trying to hide bits and pieces yep. as before, whereas now I don't have to hide anything. So That's awesome. Hmm. Have you got any advice uh, for anyone that is sitting there and thinking that they might be trans or uh, oh, for any trans athletes? If you're, if you're trans and you're, not, and, and you're in and you speak to people because the, all the people that you think care don't. Yep. They don't care the fact that you're trans. They just want you happy. Yep. So if you are sitting there thinking, oh, should I, shouldn't I want to do this, this, then do it. Go and see someone, Get a, speak to a psychologist, get on the right track and start, your, start the journey, start the process because uh, at least then you won't have those years of worrying or wondering, should I have done it earlier or anything? I've, I've done it now and now this is what I want to do. And then you can take your time, but at least you're making that first step. And as they say in everything, your first step's the hardest one. Yes. <laughs> so once you make that first step, after that, they all just flow on. So. Excellent. Madeline, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Been awesome talking to you thank and you been great to have you back for the first podcast 2024. Thank you very much. No worries. And thank you all for listening. Can't thank Madeline enough for being so open and honest and letting us into some of those raw emotions that she would have been feeling in her transitioning journey. One of the key themes that's coming out of this Out Athlete series is the need for us to be, and our Out Athletes, to be role models for society. Now, it's not something that necessarily that they are choosing to do or actively choosing to do it's more bestowed upon them or they feel like they need to i know if we go back to jamie's episode it was much about 
keeping that team, the Pride Monarchs, up to a higher standard because we needed to, because of the people involved in it. All of our, our athletes that were in that team, he felt like were being held to a higher standard. And then I was chat with Madeline and it sort of came through in my sit down with her, but it was more before I started pressing record. And it was like, I didn't really set out to be a, 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 an out a trailblazer. Or I didn't really set out to be um, that role model for anybody, but I've sort of gone into this position now where I'm being successful, I'm out in the open, and now I really want to pave the way for other trans athletes. So I think it's really important and one of those key issues that I just really want to hit on in this Out Athlete series uh, is, and it's part of the reason that some people stay in the closet, is because they don't want to take on a public role model status. They just want to be who they are. Anyway, that was my final thought for today. We will catch you next time on the podcast, but thank you again for listening to Our Pride by Mr. Gay Pride Australia. I am Mr. Gay Pride Australia 2022. Hard to put that into. I've got to think about what year it is now, but Mr. Gay Pride Australia 2022, Dion Alexander. As always, if you can, please rate and review the podcast. We would love it. Five-star reviews are what we ask for. If you have any feedback, you want to get yourself on the podcast or you know someone that would be great on the podcast, please send us a DM. Also, one final thing. As always, if this episode has hit home or you know someone that it would be very beneficial to send to, please send them the link. We would love for this podcast to grow. We're trying to create a safe space. And if you can help us do that, we'd be very much appreciated. Until next time, be real.